This is my tribe. 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 tribe. What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. are you guys doing tonight? I love you. I love you all. Um, It's so good to be back for week two of the U Effect, and my name's not Morgan. I'm TiVo. Morgan's going to speak tonight, but I wanted to tell you how excited I am about what God is doing here at Tribe Night in the middle of a global pandemic, you inviting your friends, you going out of your way to be here. So, For those of you who don't know, Morgan is our new student director, so this would be his first time speaking tonight. Um, And I think you guys are in for a real treat. Very quickly, me and Morgan have become close friends, and I think there's not another guy on the planet doing what Morgan's doing, and he's knocking it out of the park. So if you guys will get up on your feet and make some noise for Morgan Jones. What is up? What is up? What is up? I love you. I heard we had a bunch of Viana kids in the house. Thank you. You guys, you uh, you showed up on the right night. That's all I'm saying. So, I, you guys need to find me later, and I'll get to meet you. Okay? He's told me. Tivo's told me some good things about you, or at least a couple of you. So. Yeah. Well, thank you, TiVo, for the warm welcome. I appreciate it. I'm super, super, super excited to be here, and I'm really happy that all of you are here. And like he said, welcome to week two of the U Effect. Um, We're moving on along in our series. Um, It's a three-week series, three parts. So here's our second one, and we're so excited that you guys are here as we continue exploring this idea of how much impact that we have on the world around us. And last week, we kind of, TiVo kind of started the conversation with how God can use our influence in all these unimaginable ways, and we get to continue that conversation today. But first, I have something that I need to admit to everybody in the room. Um, I'm kind of a jerk in 
in more ways than one, some people might tell you if you ask TiVo or ask my fiance. Um, mm, not only when she deserves it, Zach. Just kidding, they never deserve it. That's bad, don't say that, sorry. But one way that I'm a jerk is that I really, really enjoy watching videos of people failing. Like, I love it, I think it's hilarious. And, yeah, it is, see? Thank you. Not, so not people like failing at life per se, like I'm not talking about a failed proposal or failed, <laughs> right, exactly, you're on to me. You're, you should come up here and preach it because you got it. <laughs> no, not like a failed exam or anything like that. I'm talking like what Zach said. I like to see like a dude who's like trying to do a bicycle trick or a skateboarding trick and he just completely wrecks it, screws it up. Or a girl who's trying to do like a, you know, front handspring or whatever they call them. Is that what you call them? I don't know. I don't know anything about them. Uh, but yeah, whenever they mess that up. So like ridiculousness type stuff. You guys know that show? Good. I was going to be really ticked if nobody knew it. I actually was going to walk off stage. Yeah. So you should have said no. That would have been funny. <laughs> so I don't, I don't really want to see anybody like seriously hurt or anything or injured, but seeing people fail like that is pretty hilarious to me. It's funny. I really get a kick out of it. I love it. Um, but whenever I see videos like this, there's one thing that I always notice. I always notice that they have something in common in all these videos, and it's that these people are never alone. They're never alone. So whether they're doing something ridiculous, amazing, or stupid, they're almost always with somebody else. And I think the same thing is true for me. Uh, maybe it's true for you as well, but I can remember times where me and my buddies would pull up to like a drive through and one of them would try to order and we'd just scream in the passenger seat so they couldn't hear them. Or we'd do some other stuff too that's probably not church appropriate, but we'll keep that one on the DL. Um, or maybe we'd go into Walmart and see, you know, how, how quickly can we get kicked out of here? That's just, what can we do? We're going to go bounce balls. We're going to throw footballs aisle to aisle. What can we do to get kicked out of here? I never did it by myself. I did it with people. Or maybe I was on a team and they were trying to pull off a prank and they come and talk you, talk me, whoever, into jumping in with them. So chances are you've done something, you know, ridiculous or funny or uncomfortable or unlike something that you would typically do because of the people you're around or because of your friends. And the funny thing about all of this is, is it's not just, the point of me saying is this is not just a high school thing or a junior high thing or a teenager thing. Like, it's a human being thing. It's really, really crazy how powerful an effect we can have on each other from day to day. And Last week, like I said, we started talking a little bit about this idea of how much of an effect we can have on others and how we have more of an effect on others than we possibly think. And because of that, God can do more than we've ever imagined with our influence. But this is where things get a little bit tricky. Even if we know, like we know for a fact we have an effect on other people, it can be really hard to believe that the effect is important or world-changing. We just think, ah, I'm just a nobody, I'm just somebody, who cares? Um, but our culture is filled, like the world we live in today and the time we live in today is filled with this language and these messages of how we can change the world. 
It was, you can change the world. You can change the future. Save the planet. You hear it everywhere, everywhere you go. It's probably in your schools. You see it on TV. They're always raving about how we can just change the world. And listen to this. There's this quote. It's from the Apple founder, Steve Jobs. Before he passed away, he said this one time. He said, the ones who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones that do. And I think that is supposed to be inspiring. But to me, honestly, I can't help but just think, yeah, that's really cool, man. That's cool, Steve. Um, Great and all. But let's see here. You have the brain of a genius. You have the entire, this giant global company and staff to your disposal. And you have the budget of Apple, a freaking Apple. And what do I have? Well, for starters, I have like four bucks in my checking account. I have some leftover Taco Bell in my car and probably some McDonald's too. Neither one of them are good still. And a pretty good shot at losing my keys or my wallet and my iPhone all in the same day. So we're not, we're not the same, Steve. If you, if you can't get the gist of this, me and Steve aren't, we're not the same. So maybe that's just me. Maybe you don't feel that way. Maybe you don't, maybe that does inspire you. But I imagine that nearly everybody in here feels a little skeptical about this whole let's go change the world message. Um, We hear it so often. And it's not that you and I are against making this world a better place or making things better, but it, it leads us to this question of is it possible to have a big effect on the world when you're just one person in your town in your school, in your family. So I'm going to try to answer that question tonight. I'm going to attempt to. But first, I want to say this. There is a book in the New Testament of the Bible. It's called Acts. And believe it or not, each and every one of us have been affected by the events that are in this book, that were recorded in this book. Acts recorded the actions that the first followers of Jesus, they took and they implemented to make what the church was back then. And their decisions changed everything throughout the Roman Empire and throughout all of history. In fact, they were probably what you would consider as like the first version of what we're doing here tonight. Not quite as cool with all the music and the lights and that kind of thing, but they were coming together in unity to worship God. And there's a, there was a powerful moment that happened during something called Pentecost during this time. And during this time, it was when these early followers, they, they gathered together. And during Pentecost, this crazy thing happened, and the Spirit of God showed up in what was considered or what was described as a violent wind. And the people began worshiping God, and they were singing to Him and bowing down and praising Him in a big way. And the people who witnessed this were like super confused. They just see all these people worshiping God. And they're, they're, you know, they're thinking, what in the world is going on? What are they doing? And it, in fact, it even says in there that some of them thought that the followers of Jesus were just straight up wasted, like plastered at this party. They thought they were just drunk and lost their minds. So like a typical drunk dude, Peter stands up and says, no, I'm not drunk. None of us are drunk. No, we're not. And they were probably like, okay, yeah, that's like what a drunk dude would say. But 
Regardless, keep going, Peter, whatever you have to say. But Peter goes on, and he uses this moment of where everyone thinks they're crazy, and he takes this opportunity to talk about Jesus. And after Peter had preached a powerful message about who Jesus was and what Jesus was about, look at what happened next. Here we have in Acts 2, 37 through 41, it says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So this nobody, this fisherman, I mean, he really was just a lowly dude. He had a basic job. He's a fisherman. That's all he did for a living. Named Peter. He's an average guy. He messed up all the time, just like me and you. He stood up and he preached. And it had this massive, huge effect. A lot of people were impacted. It says 3,000. 3,000 people impacted by this man, this fisherman. And can you imagine if if you could convince anything that you said, anything you said or did, you could convince 3,000 people to do anything? Like anything. Like I could probably tell all of you right now to get up and go to the lobby and T-Bog hand you a million dollars and some of you are gullible enough that you'd get up and do it, but most of you would sit there and look at me like, dude, you're completely lying. But this man stood up there and he convinced 3,000 people of something. This is the kind of influence that I think we'd all love to have. We'd all love to have this type of influence on the world. This is what we think about when we talk about the word influence. Big movements and big results. But what's really interesting is what happens next in this story. These new followers of Jesus, they didn't walk away. They didn't tell Peter, hey, great sermon, man. And then they went back to their lives, back to their own business. They didn't just listen to it, and then go back home and go back to their jobs and their school, whatever it was, their families, their video games. They put what they had heard that night into action right then at once. Listen to this. In Acts 2, 42 through 47, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Added to their number daily. So it didn't just stop at the 3,000 listening to Peter. Even though that was amazing, that wasn't the end of it. More and more people began to follow Jesus because of the Jesus followers. So Peter made the change, 
And he was the one bold enough to step up. But then these Jesus followers were bold enough to act right then, which made this number keep multiplying and keep multiplying. These people are what made up the early church. They didn't even really use the word church back then. I mean, it just was, it wasn't a word that existed. It's a new word, really. And they were known just as instead as a gathering of people with a shared cause. They didn't know that a couple thousand years later, we'd be sitting here in this room talking about them and learning from them. They had no idea. They weren't trying to start a big movement. They weren't trying to get a bunch of Instagram followers and become influencers. They didn't care about that stuff. They were just living their lives as people who had heard about Jesus and were changed by him. Something big happened in their lives that changed them, influenced them, and then caused them to live their lives differently than they ever had before. So what did they do that was so different? What was so big that it led to them to change the world and become credited as the people who started what we know as church. Well, it actually was pretty simple. It says in the book of Acts, it says that history tells us that they shared, they gave to each other, they met together, and they ate together. Those are pretty simple things, not that complicated. In other words, they were with each other and they were for each other. The things they did were just behaviors, but they were based in their character, and they shared this, the mission that they believed in together. They were changed people who had been transformed by the love of Jesus. Something big happened in their lives that influenced each of them, but it was just these small steps, really small steps that allowed them to give influence to others. These people started a movement that has influenced millions for over 2,000 years today. We wouldn't have church if it wasn't for that movement then. But it started simply by them caring about just the people around them. That's all they did. They didn't try to start church for years and thousands of years to come. They just loved and cared for the people that were next to them. And here's what's so crazy. We can assume that they had absolutely no idea they would have effect on anyone. They, would, they had no idea they would affect the Roman Empire, the church, or all of history. Each of them probably were a lot like you and me and would have individually have said, who am I? They would have said, I'm a nobody. I, I, I'm just some dude. I'm just some girl. There's, there's zero chance anyone will ever know who I am or be affected by me. I live in Vienna. I live in Goreville. I live in Marion. Whatever it is, who am I? I'm just some teenager from here. How can I have effect on anyone? And honestly, this is kind of how the you effect works. Sure, sometimes there's going to be one person like Peter who stands up and he gives a great speech or he preaches and he changes thousands of lives. And when that happens, that's really great. It's awesome. We love when we see that. But more often than not, the movements that have changed the world are started by very small groups of people with each other and for each other who are committed to doing something important together. And by the way, this is actually true. Throughout history, 
a vast majority, and I mean a vast majority, of world-changing movements were started by young adults or by teenagers, by people just like you, often in groups just like this. They just decided to do something. And here's what I'm trying to get at. Having a big effect starts with a small group. Having a big effect starts with a small group. Sure, the violent wind that we hear about in that story or the sermon that Peter kind of kick-started this whole movement with, and that's now kind of organized the church and students and student ministries just like this today. Sure, that was awesome, and it was great. But the early church continued to grow, not because of that one sermon, but because of the people. Jesus' message continued to be spread because of individuals looking out for each other and working together. That is what the early church was built on. And can you imagine some of the fears that they might have had back then? They were probably dealing with a lot. They probably were thinking, you know, if I sell all my stuff, and one of those verses that talks about them selling their stuff for the people who needed more. If I sell all my stuff, what if I don't have enough for myself or for my family? What if my family's left out and I've given it all to them? What if people don't notice or appreciate or care about the sacrifice that I'm making? What if it goes completely unnoticed and I'm just doing it for nothing? What if I do all of this and it makes no difference? It doesn't make any difference at all. And add to that the very, very, very real fear that the early Jesus followers would have had, that they would be killed for continuing to meet together and spread the message together. It would have been totally normal for them to just get up and walk away, to just get up out of a room just like this, hearing it all, and say, I'm done. Goodbye. I don't want to mess with this. This is too much. So despite all this natural fear that we would have, why did they do it? Why did they choose to do it anyways? Well, I think it really boils down to one thing. It's that the message was bigger What's up, Simeon? The message was bigger than their fear. The message was bigger than their fear. As they realized just how big the love of Jesus was for each of them personally, just how much his coming back to life changed everything for them and their lives, their mission seemed much, much bigger than the nerves and the fear of everything else. And I imagine that even when one person would say, oh, I'm ready to quit, I'm done, I can't handle this anymore, I'm afraid I'm going to die, I've given up my stuff, what if this goes unnoticed? That there would have been people around them, this small group of people who were for each other, who eventually became a huge group of people cheering them on and reminding them why all of this mattered. And the same is very true for us. So as I said earlier, having a big effect, it starts with a small group. It starts with circling up with a few people around you, like we do with small groups, or even with this right here. It's just deciding to do life differently together. And that's why we do small groups. It's 
yeah, it's cool that you have people to hang out with who are from church or a safe place to share or a leader that you can trust. All of that is great, and it is part of it. And if you were to ask some of the juniors and seniors or even college people here, they would probably say that their experience in high school was better and made better because of that small group. But it's more to it than just that. It's more to it than just a group of people to hang out with. We want you guys to be a group of people that are so noticeably different than everyone else around you. So obviously with each other and for each other. That the people around you are just dying to know what is going on. Why are they so different? They want to be a part of it because you're so different than them. You're so together. We want you to be a part of a group that's so unique and so uniquely and obviously transformed by Jesus and Jesus' love for you that people at your school are affected by it, that the people on your sports teams are affected by it, that maybe even your family is affected by it. So ultimately, this is the truth about it all. Yeah, you yourself, you can be an impact on the people around you. We discussed this last week. And we do have an impact on those around us. We have an effect on people daily as individuals. But you'll have a far greater impact and much more longer lasting effect if you aren't by yourself. Which is why having a big effect starts with a small group. But there is one catch to all of this. None of this is going to happen if you don't do three things. The first one is show up. The early church, they did everything together, and it changed everything for them. Now, I'm not saying that you have to do every little thing together and go everywhere together. That might be kind of weird once you start going to the bathroom and that kind of thing. You don't have to do everything together. What I am saying is to have the kind of life-changing effect we're talking about, you have to hang out together. You have to know each other, and you have to talk to each other outside of one time per week, outside of just meeting here on Sunday night or in a small group or whatever it may be. It has to extend beyond just the confined walls of what we call church. And the second thing that can deteriorate all of this is you have to stand out. So let's just be honest right now. As a group, just be honest with yourselves. Are you noticeably different than any other class or group of people? Does the way that we talk about each other make us the kind of group others want to be a part of? Does the way that we treat each other reflect the way Jesus has changed our lives? And if not, that's okay, because we can work on that, and we can fix it, and we can work towards something better. But how can we work on being the kind of people who have an effect on the world around us? And the last thing is you have to start something. So it's great to hang out together. It's great to be together. It's great to come here each week. But what if you started something intentionally to have an effect on the people in the rest of the world? What if you decided that all of you would go sit down with somebody at the cafeteria 
the lonely kid that sits there by himself every single day. Your whole group decides we're going to go sit with him today. What if you decided that your whole group is going to celebrate people who might not always feel noticed every day, people who feel unnoticed every day of their lives? What if your whole group decided, hey, you know what, this Sunday, we're going to volunteer with the kids' ministry. We're going to help out at Cornerstone. We want to do something big. Whatever it may be, whatever it is as a group that you choose, if you do it as a group, it's going to make a difference on the world around you. Don't wait for someone else to start something and then just join in with it. That's easy to do. Wait for somebody else to say, hey, we're starting this big thing. You want to come along? doesn't mean you can't. But sometimes let's take initiative. Let's become the something. Let's become the stump something and start a shift in the world that others notice and join in with you. What if you guys decided that it was time to join together and make something happen instead of always just watching something happen? So, band, you can make your way back up now. And this is the truth. I don't know what any of your groups should do, your groups of friends, your small groups, your tight-knit circles. I don't know what you, what you should do. I can't be the judge of that. I don't know each and every one of your skills or your personalities or your abilities. I have no clue about every single person in this room. But what I do know is that each and every one of you are more than capable of doing it. Even more than this, I know that people who hang out together and serve together and serve others together, they have a different kind of relationship. They have a deeper friendship. They more than likely have a better high school experience. They have more joy in their lives. They have people to lean on when the times get tough. They don't go down the wrong paths quite as often. And they have a far greater effect on the world than they ever imagined that they might have on their own. And the reason I say all this is because this is important because this is what Jesus did for us. He freed us all from this bondage of sin that just leaves us feeling so empty and so alone and so worthless, like we're all on our own to figure this out. He freed us from that so that we can come together in a community just like this in unity together to make a difference in the world. And Jesus knew that we couldn't do this alone. He knew that. He didn't even really do it alone. He had his group of disciples around him almost constantly. Could he have done it on his own? Yeah, I'm sure he could have. He could have found some other way to do it. But he knew he had a far greater impact on the world around him by surrounding himself with people and putting people around him. And he was setting an example for us to follow. Jesus saved us from being alone. Do you get that? We have a community of people who were once hurting, they were once lost, and they're brought together because of him. And that's what the gospel really is. It's more than just this sinner saved by grace story that we hear all the time. It's a story of a group of people coming together to make an impact on the world for the better because of what Jesus did. But yet we so often choose to segregate ourselves, to stay alone, to be independent and do it all on our own. And I fall into this all the time. 
Ask her, ask TiVo, ask anyone that knows me. I'm stupid independent. It's bad. Like, I don't want to tell anybody any of my feelings. I don't want to discuss it. I want to do it by myself. Even if I screw it up, I want to say I screwed it up. But the point in all of this is, is that Jesus died so you didn't have to. He died so you never had to be alone again. So I just beg you to use this group right here. These people around you, look to your left, look to your right, whatever you want to do. Those people, he gave you this opportunity to make an impact and to revolutionize all of your towns, all of your schools, and all of your families and how they see you, and how they see Jesus. And I know that a lot of people won't necessarily do this. It's natural, it's scary, it's big, it's not always easy. But imagine just for one second, just take a second today, and just imagine for a second, what if yours did? What would it change at your school? What would it change in your town, in your friend group? or even your families, if you decided you were going to make a change today. If you were going to come together and be the church everywhere you went. How would it change you personally as, as who you are? A big effect, it starts with a small group of people. And I'm praying that it starts for you tonight. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so, so, so much for people. Even though sometimes we struggle to get along, we struggle with relationships, we struggle with friendships, whatever it may be, Lord, we just thank you so much for community. We thank you that you set an example of what community is supposed to look like. We thank you for saving us from loneliness so we can be together, so we can feel loved and we can feel a part of a family no matter where we go because we have you and we have your family. I thank you so much for what you did for us, for your son. And I just pray that each and every person in this room will feel the confidence that you give to everyone. Just breathe it into them that they'll be able to understand that they have the capability to make big change, that they can make movements. They can make big movements that cause huge reactions in this world, Lord. And I just pray that you move so swiftly through them. You let them know that they're so loved. And you never let there be a day where they feel alone, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.